Good evening. Welcome to Glass Onion Minute. I am your host, Nay Renly. My guest, returning, Dave Palace. I bought like $200 of like vape cartridges for my buddies down the shore, and then none of them wanted to even have them. So I'm like, all right, I got plenty of this now. Let's let's rip and talk about Knives Out. Hell Glass yeah, Onion brother. Sequel. <laughs> Glass Onion and Knives Out sequel. There you go. See, it's already it's already affecting me. A Knives Out two minute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> More knives. <laughs> more knives, more outs. Uh, hey, this is minute number one thirty-five. Starts at two hours fourteen minutes. Ends at two hours fourteen minutes and fifty-nine seconds. It begins with mm-hmm. key video operator True. Attila Zalgia. And ends with head of production Andelka Vlivlavsovlik. We're yeah, and a little bit of the Serbia unit. You know, the, the, Ser- the Serbia the Ser- unit. Serbia was was involved. Yeah. And in case you think that I was pretending to not understand how to pronounce this, it was pre- it's spelled V L A I S A V L G E V I C. Yeah. Jevic Vlasov Vlad. Vlazovjevic. Mm-hmm. There. That's the best I, they can do. And it has which, a thing over the seat. I don't even know what letter that is. Yeah. The, the, the umlauts and stuff. I know. This is past this is past my bedtime when it comes. I'm just a I'm just a dumb American kid. I don't know shit about uh other cultures and languages. When I saw this movie, I thought the key video operating was great. So good job. And also the head of production, of course. They nailed it. So, I mean, that's you know. what it is. Yeah, they, yeah. The fact that they they nailed this and they nailed it in the middle of code. I mean, I said we we talked already about this, but it is. It is like it's like uh, you really appreciate uh, all the hard work when you then you like you see movies that like use they use the pandemic as a, as I say as a crutch, but it's like uh, oh we couldn't do a lot of work, and then you see like these guys did a lot of work on this, and it, you really are just impressed. Yeah, like um. Like, um, I'm not saying I'm going to knock the film, but I remember, like, the first movie I could think about that was filmed that made a big thing about being filmed during the pandemic was the one with Anne Hathaway and uh, Chiatel Ejiofor. That was the one that kind of ended with them uh, stealing some jewels from, like, a Tiffany's type of... Uh, mm-hmm. of um... I said that was an interesting movie, but, like, that was its hook was that, like, it was one of the first ones that they were kind of, like, filming on lockdown. And then there had you had... Um, the Steven uh, Soderbergh one with uh, what's her face Kravitz uh, Zoe Kravitz Zoe Kravitz. What was that damn film? I liked it too. I forget what that movie. It was kind of like a Rear Window. Uh, it was like Rear Window, but for the modern modern age. I you know what she up. was in? Kimmy, that was... that's it. Kimmy, that was so good. She was. You know, what's underrated was Zoe Kravitz in the High Fidelity TV show on Hulu. I did not know that. Wow. I really liked it. it. It only made it one season and there was a lot of backlash. I think the high fidelity crowd has, I, I love that original movie and book, but I think probably yeah. that crowd is a little toxic, like the, the fan base, but I like, it really was a heart. Like it, I don't know, built up a lot of uh, good. It's about, I think. it's about music nerds, love and mu- music, right? Music. Yeah. nerds love music. So I, yeah, that, it's a shame that there is such hostility like that. It's a different adaptation of the book. Like, but so it's it's kind of similar to the movie, but kind of different, yeah. and uh, and it's and it takes its own different avenues. Anyway, it's a good one. So, yeah. Um, normally we don't talk about spoilers during the week, and then on 
Friday, we can, it's spoiler Friday, and we can talk about spoilers. We've already finished the film, but yeah. what did you think generally about this film? Uh, any thoughts to wrap up our talk about uh, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery? <laughs> I think this. I think this. This movie is is very fun because I feel like it. Uh, it's not afraid to make the characters feel like cartoon characters at times. Like they almost they 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 seem more like mustache twirling and uh, exaggerated. I mean, like I feel like it's so crazy to be like. I think I say it, it cuts back to like yeah. Well, Miles Braun was an eccentric little shit heel. And like when you, when we get to the first like his his actual dinner date movie uh, little murder mystery thing, and it's so eccentric and all these things, and obviously Benoit Blanc figures it out because he's you know master detective and he's like the whole joke about it. I know I know previous people have already talked about this, but I want to address it again. I what's it, he's, it makes it really like a sick joke that he wants to do this murder dinner mystery after murdering an old friend partner. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, like, like it's one of these things where it's like, I don't know if he's trying to, I mean, he's clearly using this whole vacation bit as a form of cover. Like, Oh, well, I invited her and we didn't know why she was here at our party. And then she's dead. It's a good alibi for, for that time period. But like, you know, to think about that, his like, you know, trying to make an excuse for like, Oh, why should they all come to this Island? Well, we're going to, uh, We'll play a dinner murder mystery party, you know? It it really is like, God, it's sickening. But Peg, she's cool. Peg's cool. Yeah, I guess in, in both of these uh, Knives Out films, one of the things that they tap into is just the joy of watching um, bad, rich people like, uh, it, yeah. like, like Arrested Development. As long as the, the content... <laughs> has an awareness and is like making them ridiculous and they're kind of the butt of the joke. It's yeah. really fun to watch. Like they, those people just have like a energy and a reverence that uh, is totally unreserved, <laughs> undeserved and unreserved. And, and uh, it's, it's like fun to watch them as, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's fun to watch them fail. Like the, watch, yeah. watch these like rich people who think themselves so smart, absolutely fall on their face and get comeuppance. Um, I'm sure this is talked about once again, but we haven't talked about it. Obviously, Columbo is a big influence mm. on most murder mysteries that we like today, but also like this. Have you? Are you familiar with Columbo? Uh, just one more thing. Actually, that's the only thing I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, but uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's obviously a one funny line about. But obviously, Columbo, he's a very schlubby looking detective. And what's great about a lot of those cases was is always a rich person who is of power. Um, who thinks they are untouchable, they do a crime. The show starts with this rich person, the guest star of the episode, they kill somebody, they do a crime, and they're covering it up. And then like 15 minutes into this, like these episodes are like mini movies. So these episodes are like an hour. Sometimes like the first few ones were like TV movies on like CBS, and they're like, you know, 80 minutes long. But uh, it's so funny to... Watch the schlubby guy come in and go, oh, I'm just, I don't know. And, I, and then he asks that question. Oh, one more thing. And he says, like, you know, we noticed that the paintings that you mentioned were over here and this and this and that. And, oh, we noticed the glass that fell outside. The, but I don't, you know, it's like, and you get to listen to Columbo uh, tell the, the murderer to their face, like, I'm already thinking of questions 
then I'm going to catch mm-hmm. you on. Like, I know you did it. I know you did 10 seconds of me walking in, but I'm going to play dumb and I'm going to drag this out to make you really mess up so I, I nail you. Um, so it's kind of fun in this one is to you watch the film, you're watching the mystery, and then we get, we go back and we learn a lot more, and then you get to watch it with that context. That's yeah. you, you rarely, I feel like rarely mysteries, mystery movies do that nowadays. I feel like what they do is they go straight through and then act three as the detective is describing something, then they do the flashback. Whereas with this one, I should say flashback, but I should say like the flashback that introduces a character twist. But I just loved that, like, you know, there was a, there was, we went back to the flashback, to the little twist, and then you continue with the same scenes, knowing new information. And then you get there, like, another flashback of, like, how we got here. Well, it's, you don't, you think that the murder is still coming, and then you yes. think it's De Batista, and then you don't realize that the actual murderer that the m- movie is about happened before the movie started. Yeah, that's such or a. Or before the real time the stuff happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it, that's what I've, I mean, I've said this on the other ones too, but like one of the things I think he does really well with mysteries is making, is not like making the answer to the question unexpected, but making yeah. the question wrong. So you, you can't really guess the answer because you don't know the right question to ask yet. Yes. Um, that's, so that, that's it. why it's satisfying because, and also he does a thing. And I, I was just thinking about this when you were talking about that, um that guy that's around is like a lot of things that Ryan Johnson does is he puts stuff in, and it, you pay attention to it and it's important, but it's not important in the way you were expecting. So you're like going down a wrong path. Yeah. But with that guy, like that, that he's, he's kind of a red herring, but he, they don't even give you anything. Like they go, here's this guy. He's not important. And that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not lying to you. They're not going like, look over at this guy. They're going, don't worry about him. But it's, but it's like another thing that like you have to keep in your head while you're like shuffling around <laughs> with all these clues. <laughs> but they're true. like, no, we told you he wasn't important. And he wasn't. And you're like, that's true. But you would feel cheated if, if like he told you something, this isn't important. And then it turned out to be important. But it's yeah. like all the details you pay attention to do pay off in some way. You feel yeah. good that you, you saw them later, but not necessarily, they don't like point you in the right direction. So, so you can't figure it out early, but trying to figure it out is like the fun while you're watching it. I, yes, I, I <laughs> it's so funny. And it's so funny how he is there to like, Add to the add to the cast of characters that they're not really that important. I think that's another reason why I was always I'm, I'm, in a weird way upset about Peg because Peg knows a little about the sweatshop thing, but that's really it. Like outside of that, she doesn't really know anything about this murder. But you think that like Peg really knows more, and really she she's doesn't. holding a switchblade when she's talking to Birdie for like <laughs> about yeah, girls, but that doesn't mean anything. No, it means nothing. Just um, likes the switchblade, I guess. It's it's God. It's like I think it was Blank Check did a joke about it when it's like when you first start when you first turn on Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, uh, and as soon as you see the name and Stellan Skarsgård show up, you're like, I have to call the police now. I have to tell them I'm watching a Stellan Scar a movie with Stellan Skarsgård in it. He's clearly the murderer. You have to arrest him now. It, <laughs> it's such a spider. It's like you, it screams at you. It's kind of like a. You know, when you see like a famous actor in like a spy film that's not the main character, you're like, well, clearly they're the spy that they're trying to catch. Like, no way would this actor be in this movie to like, you know, to not be important. And obviously that guy is not an important character, nor is he an important actor. But it is so funny to be like, we're throwing him in there. And yeah, it's nothing. It's it's um, it is really funny. It's funny how I started the week complaining that I don't get it. And now I'm kind of like. 
I'm in it with you. Like I'm in the insanity of like purposely throwing a red herring and not giving you any reason to suspect him. But you're like, but it's meta because you're watching a mystery film. So the audience has to be like, has to hold every little detail to be like, oh, who could have done it? And he's like, you're holding on to him, but you don't need to. Like he doesn't experience any of the crimes. And like I said, I hope he's okay because the entire building explodes. He's probably like (laughs) down there being like, hello? (laughs) He's like, oh man, I'm not going to be able to go back in for more cereal. Yeah, exactly, right? He's kind of like realizing that his little like, Midlife crisis during the pandemic's blown. He's probably going to have to like get shipped back to wherever. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. It's not, he doesn't know he's. There's not even an end credits. Like I said, we're not even. There's no end credits scene to explain like when Edward Norton met this guy and like felt like, oh yeah, come to my, uh, you know. Come. I mean, here's the other idea: is it's it's a it's a left wing one off the left field, but it's just like. Did he Edward Norton purposely bring this guy as a character witness? <laughs> yeah, because he's maybe. like, if I get pulled in, I can. He's my alibi, and he could he could tell them about all the good nice things I've been doing with him, like hanging out on this island. Yeah, or like maybe he's just like a yes, like like not like a just a guy, so that he's not totally lonely. <laughs> he's like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, um, like, like the hangers on and pop star. Yeah, he could just, yeah, and, like, Edward Norton can kind of, like, doesn't have to, like, impress him, doesn't have to talk, like, very, uh, you know, superficially. It's like, this guy doesn't care. He's just kind of in a stupor, just hanging out. But, yeah, it's it's like, he doesn't know anything, and he's not responsible for anything, but they don't even, like, tell you anything about him to, like, get you kind of wondering. <laughs> it's like, well, he's the security guy, and you'd be like, oh, the security guy, I wonder if he has to, it's like, like no, here he is. And you're like, hey, and then he's, this is hey, and then he leaves, and you're like, absolute face value. And that's, and that's, that's like, they were totally honest about his role. He was yeah. just there. So, I like, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. It's so funny that I, God, it feels, it feels like it feels, it's such a crime saying this. I, I feel like about six months ago, I finally got over the sequel trilogy. Like, uh-huh. I know, it, and I'm not saying like I was upset and every day I was writing, I was writing rude thoughts online. But it was kind of like I didn't really like where the direction went in in uh, Last Jedi, and then I just got mad. But I kind of was like, you know what? Ryan Johnson did do something new, and it's not his fault that they gave him the freedom to do it. Yeah. And I was kind of like, what? Well, yeah, like he he like they gave him like Kathleen Kennedy was like, yeah, sure, do a sequel, and he's like, and I can kind of do what I want. She's like, yeah, and I the back here's my back of the head though. This is the back of my theory. I'm going to throw out here. I think what happened was Ryan Johnson wrote Ray agreeing to go with Kylo Ren. I think he, and I think Kathleen Kennedy walked in and said, no, I will not let you do that. And he's like, whoa, 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 ho, Kathleen, you just told me I could, I could write in a movie. And she's like, no, but here's some tenants. Like he's the bad guy and she's the good guy. And we have to have a scene where like they have a battle at the end. They've only been in space. And he's like, yeah, but I've kind of been wrapping the story up. And she's like, no, we got to have that. And we got to have, like, you know, the side, like, s- casino story mission to, like, you know, make sure we sell enough merch and stuff. And I was kind yeah. of like, and immediately my brain, once I that that thought process, I was like, I'm not mad at him anymore because <laughs> they gave him freedom. And I'm not even mad at Kathleen Kennedy because she's responsible for, like, billions of dollars of franchise. She got the analytics of why, like, 
uh, episode seven worked. And she's like, oh, I got to just follow these paragons and I'll keep Ray good and Kylo Ren will be bad. And in the third movie, they'll battle. And it's just like she had those those like those important tenets to her. And so she let Ryan Johnson tell some of a new original story because she probably saw the response saying, oh, we need some new original stories that are not predictable. And she's like, oh, okay. And so she took all those analytics. And it's funny is that, like, obviously I used to be mad at Kathleen Kenny. Now I'm almost like, no, I'm actually not mad at you. On a capitalistic sense, everything you did made sense. And then when Sky, when the Rise of Skywalker was happening, you were very worried about handling it off to an auteur director to do whatever he wanted. So you called in the safe guy, J.J. Abrams, to do a safe third act of a story that doesn't have a great centerpiece comparatively and it, it was so weird i got over it and it's such an elated feeling to be like yeah like everybody did the right idea for that moment yeah it's just that creatively they weren't thinking they were only thinking in like a how mu- how much money can we make on new merchandise vibe and ryan johnson was the guy who walked in and was like wait so you're saying i could like do an original story and they were like yeah and he's like all right and then he does it, and then like he gets eighty percent of the way, and then Kathleen Kennedy's like, "Well, actually, no, I can't have you end the movie like this." And he's like, "Okay, uh, how about she says no, gets on the Millennium Falcon, flies down to a battle, and like Luke's there and like wraps that up." And she's like, "Yes, great, because it meets all of our analytics of like what needs to happen." And he's like, "Okay, so that's my theory: is that like he had something more? He the, the last like ten minutes of Last Jedi was going to really make the whole thing sense." And then Kathleen Kennedy said, well, no, you have to actually end it like this. He's like, all right, screw it. And he just, he nodded politely and he took all the blame and he went, okay. Cause he was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to shit talk Disney. Cause I'm going to use, I'm going to be like how nice I am. And I'm going to go to Netflix and then get paid to make, uh, you know, detective stories that like, I don't have to, I can only have to worry about IP. Yeah. The, I, I think you're right. Because so much of that movie is like, it's like something is, the, the trope is the same and the setup is the same. And then the thing that happens isn't the same thing that's happened before. And that, and I really thought that she could go with him because of the way it had been set up. Like, yeah. and that, and it didn't. And it was like, Oh, I well. think that's like, I really do think that's a, from the top corporate thing where they said, no, 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 we need these toys to reflect. She's good. She's bad. And then what I think is that's wanted why to end it, like empire strikes yeah. back. Yeah. And like I, the and same stakes basically again. Yeah. And I and I and it makes me laugh. Is I think then I think then they took the feedback of people saying like it would have been interesting and and they knew if she went with him and they went oh we'll have her have a dream sequence where she's evil but it yeah. won't mean anything you know like it was just one of those things where like oh people want to see what evil Ray looks like I don't know, make a vision where she sees evil Ray just put whatever we can in the third film. And it's just it would have been such different stakes for the third one. Everything would be in a different place. And yeah. like there's a lot of tension you can have with two people that don't trust each other being in close proximity to each other, as opposed yeah. to like being on opposite ends of a lightsaber or in different yeah. star destroyers or something like that. That would be a whole different kind of, yeah. of scene you could have that you've never had any scenes like that in the yeah. the like the movie versions of of uh the Star Wars films. Like you could have it like in I don't know, probably like in the shows or whatever, like, like, in, yeah. you know, in, in Andor, they've done stuff like that, but you know, like it would have been a cool way to, to actually have a different <laughs> feeling for the third one. I mean, maybe we look at it that way is that what the, the, the creative ideas that people liked Disney finally realized, Oh, having some new original ideas that are not tied down to something is good. 
And long story short, you got to Andor, where the creator, the guy's like, look, I write crime thrillers and other thriller movies. I don't give a hoot about Star Wars, but I'm going to write interesting characters. And they said, all right, you're going to do Andor? He's like, fine, I'll do Andor and makes it work. But yeah. it's it's one of those things where I think that's going to be a real rarity. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, the shit that like Dave Filoni wants to do is getting into that cosmic stuff that George wanted to do. And I feel like Disney agreed because he's doing it piecemeal, very slowly, week by week for their subscription model. But I just don't know why like, they really give like Dave Filoni uh, the, the rope to make a real movie uh, in live action that makes this whole heir to the empire plot happen. And mm-hmm. can he do that? Can he commit to telling two hour stories and not make it a yawning thing? Like you got to make a movie start to finish. I think it's what you should. I don't know if they should make a then Thrawn does thing. Part one for Thrawn part thing. Part two. I really think they should work, focus on a movie instead of a trilogy. Yeah. So that's what I'm hoping going forward. With the say, I said, I said, I, I'm finally over the angry stuff about Star Wars, and now I'm like, I really think that's what you should do. Like, please, like, we would like Star Wars, but at the same time, like, don't, don't keep punching a dead horse if you don't have any good ideas. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta kill your babies a little bit. Or yeah, sometimes yeah. you just got, you know, like, like I said, I love, I love that movie, Last Action Hero. But maybe I love it because it's so like of its own thing and it doesn't have sequels and it doesn't have big praise and mm-hmm. doesn't have like a lot of lore. It's just a movie that Schwarzenegger wanted to do. And like it came out just at the same time in Jurassic Park and it just got blown out of water. Yeah. Just things happen is what it is. Well, what? What do you got for for plugs for the? Thanks so much for being here this week. I yeah, like I said, I know, I know, I'm sure we we, we didn't talk enough about Glass Onion, but then again, we didn't have a lot of actual movie to talk about. We have a lot of credits, um, but there's no, 130 other episodes. About yeah, I, I I do hope I do hope the listeners' questions got answered. I don't know why they're still listening to us. We're clearly a bunch of bozos in the credits, but glad happy you're here to listening. Uh, plugs. Yeah, thank you. I would say, what about The Killer on Netflix? That also just came out as a recording. But, I mean, is David Fincher's back? You got Michael Fassbender. It's a, he's in a cool little bucket hat killing people. That's cool. Uh, Peg had a bucket hat in this movie. That's something. Um, oh, how about this? This is even newer news. I, I was just reading the news now. James Cameron is bringing The Abyss 4K remastered special edition. He's got more scenes apparently. Coming to theaters Wednesday, December 6th. I hope people listening to this in the future went there and saw it. I'm, I'm so excited for this. Oh, hell yeah. So uh, that's what I'm plugging. It's like some the movies are back, folks. We're, we're yeah. back for the pandemic, and goddamn, the movies are back. Hell yeah. Star Wars is dead. Marvel's done. Movie, Real movies are back. <laughs> yeah. And uh, f- follow, follow us at Glass Onion Men on Twitter. Uh, you can hear me on my old episodes on Calvin and Hobbscast, I guess, or, or the yeah. off five. Actually, we did an episode of the off five this year. So if you like the office, the off five is, is a podcast about that. Um, were you, were you on the, did you do the first knives out podcast? No, I, I did not know. Well, we hope you'll come back for the third one, whatever it's called knives out three. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know. Like I said, yes. That's, that's my only, that's my only wish is that, Make the film and just don't address Knives Out. Like, just say 
the movie, you have and you just have, you know, Daniel Craig is Benoit Blanc on the cover. We'll know that he's Benoit Blanc and not James Bond. Trust us. We will know. Yeah, we cool. see him in a nice, cool, like soft older men's suit and not like a tuxedo. We'll be like, yo, that's Benoit Blanc. He's ready to solve a mystery. And I'll be there to, to talk about it. Hell yeah. Well, thanks for being here this week and, and stay tuned next week because we got more credits coming with some more credits, baby. <laughs> Buckle up. Bye bye. <laughs>